All right. Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to episode number five of the Fit Smart Podcast. I am your host, Raj Law, with your other host, the lovely and magnificent who? JC. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks again for all the feedback we've gotten so far, especially for the, the reviews on iTunes. They have been awesome. And today we have a lot of questions kind of all over the place, some fitness related, some not. Today, we're going to open up our lovely podcast with a discussion about lifting shoes and uh, the difference between, let's say, lifting in something like an Olympic shoe and something more, uh, you know, conventional like a, like a Chuck Taylor or something with flat soles. And um, I know you have some experience with some, some lifting shoes, JC, so I kind of wanted to let you open this up and uh, share your thoughts on the topic. And then I'll, I'll talk about my sweet Chuck soon. Oh wait! How, how does how does Snoop Dogg say it? He's like, Oh yeah! I threw in my white socks with my all blue chucks. I stepped out the do- that short. Oh no! I went back in. Do you remember that one? No, but I remember the video with the big shoe. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear chucks, I always think of that song. I think it's uh, I don't remember if it's Lottie Dottie. Anyway, it's off Doggy Style album, which. I love and I still listen to uh, every time I hear Chuck. So anyway, yeah, lifting shoes. So this is a, an interesting thing that is new to me within the last six months. I've known about lifting shoes for quite a while, but never ever considered using a lifting shoe. That has now changed and I am forever sold. I now own a pair of the bright red Adidas weightlifts. And they get all kinds of comments and questions when I'm in the gym uh, lifting with them. But I was first turned on to uh, weightlifting shoes as a result of kind of just becoming obsessed with daily squatting and Olympic lifting in general. And I have my good buddy Nick Horton to thank for that. And he actually wrote a pretty good article comparing quite a few different lifting shoes. So I'm going to throw that in the podcast notes for you guys to check out. In short, the difference between regular shoes and lifting shoes are lifting shoes actually have an elevated heel, and regular shoes uh, normally don't, and the the soles of regular shoes are are pretty squishy and padded, so like if you get a pair of, especially like running shoes, Adidas, Asics, shoes like that, you're going to have really padded soles, and they're made that way because of the impact, you know, you're constantly running, and and it's supposed to be better for the joints. But when you get a lifting shoe, especially in the sport of Olympic lifting, like you don't want any give in in your in the soles of your of your shoes. And that's a stability thing and it's it's just to keep you safe. The cool thing about Olympic lifting shoes, like I said, there's a there's an elevated heel and Nick t- touches on different shoes in the article that he has. Some of the heels are higher than others. Some are shorter. Just it just kind of depends on what what shoes you're you're going after. What I like about these shoes is I've always had like ever since you know my athletic days back when I was younger. Like I've sprained both of my ankles quite a few times, and as a result of that, my right ankle actually has less range of motion as far as flexion and extension than my left ankle. So as you might imagine, doing full squats have been problematic. So I used to always think that my hamstrings 
were too tight and my glutes needed to loosen up, when in reality it was because my ankles were tight. I struggled with this and I struggled and struggled and struggled and it was basically to a point where I was like, you know, I'm never going to be able to do full squats because my ankle mobility. And then I started seeking out all kinds of ankle mobility drills. What can I do to fix them? And it just, it was really tough process. And, and anyway, so what I ended up doing was decided to, to check out some lifting shoots. And ever since I did find that squatting to parallel and doing full Olympic squats has been incredibly easier. So the only downfall, uh, the only downside to Olympic lifting shoes is that you can't really go in to, uh, you can't really go into like a, a store at the mall and say, Hey, I want to try on these Nike or Amelios or, or the, the new Adidas weightlifts. Cause they're going to be like, uh, what are you talking about? Cause nobody really knows about them except for the, the weightlifting community. So you can't really go in and try these on. So what I would suggest is, is if you really, uh, want to get some, just research the crap out of them online. And if you can order some through Adidas or Nike, they usually have a pretty good return policy. So if you get them out of the box and you find out that the 10 and a half is just a little bit too long and you need a 10, you can send them back in the mail and you'll get a, you get another pair. So that's the only down, downside to it. Other than that, I will probably never squat without weightlifting shoes again, unless I just absolutely have to. But that's my take on it. It's just advice, right? <laughs> Word up. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been looking into some Olympic lifting shoes for a while now, but I actually, I, I, I kind of just backed off it a bit just because I didn't want to spend the money on them yet for what I'm doing. You know, I'm not squatting uh, as low as, you know, low to the point where I would need them. So I've always been like a, a barefoot lifter or, or kind of someone that lifts in Chuck Taylors. I actually have a pair of Chuck Taylor, uh, no, whoa, a pair of Batman Chuck Taylors. And, you know, for those that are interested, I'm getting ready to get some custom Chuck Taylors soon, some Dragon Ball Z Chuck Taylors. So if you see me walking around the streets in those, know that those are the only pair in existence and you cannot have them. And please don't shoot me and take them from me. But I found that, you know, Chucks, they're pretty cheap if you want to get them. Otherwise, I think they're like 25 bucks. If you live near a Target, you get the off brand. Because there's two different. There's Chuck Taylor All Stars, which is I guess you get all the stars on them. I don't know. Uh, those are like forty nine bucks for some reason. You can go can get the one stars, same exact kind of feel and make, and it's like twenty twenty nine bucks, so a lot cheaper. And I found that you know they're solid enough with the heel to give you. They don't have any give when you're squatting, and they also just they feel really. They're closer to the ground, so you don't get that that wiggle and you also get kind of the similar bare benefits that you would get from barefoot training, you know, not quite as much, but it's better than nothing. And, you know, I found that that on top of working on my ankle mobility has really increased my squat depth. And it just re feels really comfortable to do in dead, to do deadlifts with. I'm not sure if you've, have you deadlifted in Olympic lifting shoes at all? I have. And I just, I did it on a whim. It wasn't like I was really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I, I worked up to a one rep max on squat. Uh, this was a couple weeks ago and I was like, well, I need to get in a pool and I haven't pulled from the floor and like seriously pulled heavy from the floor in like two years. So let's see what happens. And, uh, 
I actually like deadlifting from the floor with Olympic or Olympic lifting shoes. Keep in mind, if we say Olympic lifting shoes and weightlifting shoes, we're talking about the same thing. We just kind of interchangeably use that term. So weightlifting shoes and Olympic lifting shoes are the same. But yeah, I actually like to deadlift from the floor with Olympic lifting shoes. So, but that's just okay. that's just my preference. Right. Yeah. Because I, I haven't I've never talked to anyone that that has done it in Olympic lifting shoes. So I was curious, just because I I felt like the heel might cause you to tip forward a little bit or you might not be able to sit back as much but either way i know in the chucks it feels good if it feels good in the olympic uh lifting shoes then go for it people for sure yes so this actually feeds into our next question which was um on squatting and if we should you know focus on squatting below you know parallel or also affectionately known as astagrass or is, you know, parallel just fine? I actually have a, a personal story about this. When I first started lifting, I, you know, I was all about just going as low as I could. <clears throat> and it, it felt fine for a while. But after, I'd say about three months of that, I, you know, I, st- I think I actually, like the pain, I actually, I did get diagnosed. I tore my meniscus because I couldn't really f- bend my knee past, you know, I'd say, I wouldn't even say 90 degrees initially. Like as soon as I start to descend in the squat and it would start to hurt. So I had to back off of that. And um, I went to a ton, ton of doctors and they said they couldn't find anything. They, I mean, they found it on the, the diagnosis, but they weren't too certain that even if they went in there to repair it, that they would, it would do any good. So I got cortisone shots, really didn't do anything. Um, one of the main things I did after that was uh, I actually used Mike Robertson's uh, product, uh, Bulletproof Knees, and I started doing a ton of foam rolling, ton of mobility stuff for that area. And it actually, you know, now I'm pain free and it cleared up. But that that's one of the, you know, it's it's hard to know if you're at risk for something like that until you do it and hurt yourself. So I like to err on the side of caution. Like if you can go down, all the way down pain free, you know. That's fine if if it doesn't hurt. But for general, I like to at least go to 90 degrees, maybe a little bit lower. Um, something like a box squat would work for that just to make sure you're consistently hitting that depth. So just putting it behind you, hitting the box gently, and then coming back up to know that you hit at least parallel. It keeps you honest. It keeps the, the ego lifting in check because without a box, you could easily convince yourself that you're going down to parallel and if you don't have any sort of video or someone watching you, you might be surprised to find that you you might be quarter squatting or something like that. Um, so I think box squats are a, de- a big, a definitely a helpful tool in terms of just finding the squat depth that is right for you. And depending on how tall you are, going all the way down might not uh, be all that easy. And you might actually be going down with bat. You might be sacrificing form and quality of form for just trying to hit that depth which isn't doing you any good in the long run anyway so um has this been kind of your experience too in terms of just squat depth yeah i would say so like i you know my body type is built pretty pretty well for squats so back in my athletic days i was we we all did pretty much parallel squats Uh, some of us did full squats and uh, I never really squat squats were always something that that was fairly easy for me to to really adapt to. So 
you know, like you were saying, some people's anatomy, if they're really tall or, or they have a long torso or long femurs or something that prevents them from doing full squats, it's not really the end of the world. It's not really that big of a deal. And it's kind of like, it all depends on your goals. You know, if, if you are an Olympic lifter and you need to do full squats and you're competing, yeah, that's, that's something else. If you need to train the movement for a powerlifting meet and you need to be doing, you know, hitting, hitting depth, hitting parallel, whatever. If you're competing, yeah, that's really important. But if you're just doing training for aesthetics, like I think a lot of us are, uh, a lot of us listening, it doesn't really, as long, as long as you're going to parallel, uh, and, and you're stimulating the muscles you, you want to stimulate when you squat and, it doesn't, you know, my experience is not really that big of a deal. The, the main thing is being able to do it for your life and not getting hurt. So if squatting below parallel causes you to really round your back or uh, causes you to, you know, shift forward on your toes, then it's probably not the best thing for you. Now, like Roger did, you can always do a ton of mobility work and ton of foam rolling, and which we actually encourage that for most people because they need it anyway. But if you want to do a full squat, you need to work into it, and you need to spend the time necessary doing the mobility, doing the doing the prehab movements, doing the stretching, and everything else to get you ready for that. You know, I'm pretty indifferent when it comes <laughs> when it comes to aesthetics because in reality, ways you know, around it. Even if like even if you for some reason couldn't squat, there's still ways around getting some nice looking legs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and honestly, it's like it's like I wrote a couple years ago getting big without the big three for wannabebig.com. Like, I got a lot of praise for that, and I got a lot of hate for that because you have these internet lifters, whatever you want to call them, and it's like, to them, the squat, bench, and the deadlift is, is king. Well, it, it is in some people's world. You know, if you're a power lifter or whatever, then, yeah, obviously it is. But, like, I really, I don't care if you squat or not. I just want you doing whatever movement you're doing with good form, and I want, you know, I want your joints to be safe. I want... I want it to be the best for you for the long term. So I put people on on leg presses and split squats more so than I do squats if I don't think that it's a good movement for them. Yep. But, you know, it is what it is, right? Definitely. I mean, you know, it's a single exercise is never the, the end-all, be-all, no matter what anybody tells you. You know, there's always a way to, to work the muscles that you're looking to work without, even if you have, like, if you have equipment limitations or you're, you're just doing limited to body weight exercise, you know, there's always a way to do something. It might require some creativity, but either way, you'll be able to make it happen. For sure. For sure. Yes. So now, um, I, I know that we talked about kind of mentorship in the past. And uh, one of the questions was uh, for someone, what's the best way to find a mentor, uh, specifically in the fitness field? So I, I know that we both have uh, kind of unique experience with that. So I wanted to, to chat with you and see um, kind of what, what your thoughts were. And then I could go into mine as well, kind of how I found mentors. And it almost, it almost kind of happens naturally, but, you know, I think we both have a different perspective on it. Sure. So I think my experience has been, uh, I didn't really know that I needed a mentor when I started. So this is kind of funny. Like my whole life is a result of having people 
you know, older and wiser than me in my life guiding me. And I've had mentors and coaches ever since I was young. But getting into the fitness world, I really didn't know that I would need a mentor or benefit as much from a mentor. And, and that was, it was like that for a while. I guess it was until I really started like wanting to make this a career. And when I figured out that I just absolutely love it and this is what I want to do, I didn't realize, I guess, that I needed a mentor. So I don't really have a, a, a way of just getting one. I, I think I think for me, it was just reaching out to the people that have had the most impact on me. For instance, uh, Alan Aragon, you know, his writing and, and seeing him, you know, converse and stuff online with other people. Uh, I was really attracted to that because he's a super cool, super smart guy, really humble, down to earth. And uh, I was like, you know, I, I want to, I want to be closer to this guy. I think, I think that knowing him would help me understand a lot more about this, about, about fitness and health and, and this business in general. So I just, you know, eventually I just reached out to him and, and uh, I had written a few articles that, that had gotten some attention and people were talking about and, and I guess he had saw a few of those and like, we just started talking. We just, in reality, we just built a, a relationship and became friends. <clears throat> and uh, I think Roger's story is probably similar with, with Alan as well, because we're both pretty close to him. I think the best way is just to, for one, figure out exactly what you want to do. Like, I don't care if you want to be a strength coach, if, if you want to be a ballet teacher, I don't really care. Like, just find out what it is that you really like and what you want to do. And then find people that are doing it and contribute value. Don't just be the person that you know, once, 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 and expects people to give to you without giving anything in return. But just, I mean, simple, just reach out and say, just shake their hand. Hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so. Hey, I'm JC. Uh, I've read your work. I really like who you are. Uh, can I buy you a drink? Can I, can, can I get you lunch? Whatever. And just be, just be personable. Just be, just be a friend. I don't really have it. I mean, Raj, I don't really have anything other than that. I mean, that's just how no nah, man, it, it makes this. It. It's just it's basic stuff. Some sometimes it might seem more more daunting than it actually is, and uh, you know I think the biggest thing is just to be genuine and you know don't you know if you're like if you're a big fan of someone's work you know just let them know you don't have to you don't have to try and you know be too cool and kind of hold back and be like oh I don't want to seem like too big of a fan because like honestly when I first uh, like my first email with Alan. Like this was after um, I first found about his research review, um, which if anyone listening is not signed up for, it's ten dollars a month. You'll never spend ten dollars of your money more wisely than this. I don't care if you buy a house with ten dollars. This is worth more than that house you would buy for ten dollars. You know, it's, it's packed with you know so much um, just in depth analysis of all the stuff that's out there that you know some people just don't want to go through and try and de decipher on their own. And he does all of that on a monthly basis. And, you know, he also does, you know, things like in the lay press where they, he takes top, um, you know, popular topics and, you know, deconstructs them a bit so that mere mortals such as ourselves can, can get a, a better sense of the science and just how to apply it as well. But like when I first found out about that, I, I tore through like, it was a Friday night. I tore through like six, 
or seven of his uh, his past research reviews. And I sent him an email. I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever read. You know, this is, you know, it's definitely turned me in a different direction. And I just, you know, I was just genuine and that, I, you know, I wanted to support him. Like, this is awesome. And then immediately we kind of we started talking uh, just back and forth through email, then eventually on the phone. And it's just grown since then. But it all just starts with being genuine and just being interested in what the other person is doing. Because if you if you approach someone with a, a sense of just trying to get something out of them without, like you were saying, adding any value it's, or, or even just being kind of sleazy about it, you know, people can sense that a mile away and it, it doesn't really do you any any it, it almost does both you and them a disservice if you approach it from that angle so you know the first thing to do is definitely just reach out be genuine and then also just try and add you know think of every interaction even if it's you know even when not with people that you you know might want to be your mentors just try and add as much as much value to any interaction as you can I think that's the biggest way to just really get people to want to be around you, want to hang with you and just say, just think of what you can do to, to enhance their life or, you know, get some kind of positive emotion out of them, whether it's a smile, laugh, something like that. And people just naturally want to be around those that make them feel good. I, I found that's, you know, in my experience and just in life, you know, outside of the fitness field. So, you know, just give as much as you can and, Honestly, you'll draw the kind of people that you want to be associated with to you just by doing that. But definitely always just reach out because the worst thing that can happen is, you know, they don't say anything in return. And, hey, you know, it's a risk. But most people I found in the fitness industry are super cool and more than willing to help you if you just reach out. Because, you know, we don't know what you want to know unless you let us know, you know. I know. And I think that's especially true in the blogging world. It's it's interesting in the in the internet and the whole blogging community. I won't say any names, but like Roger and I have made connections with people that that we've read for a long time and we probably would have never imagined that we would have been connected with these people. When it all comes down to it, if you're continually putting out good information and, and providing value, like these other people are watching. And the blogging community I found is extremely extremely giving and they usually want to help so i know roger and i are both grateful for that and one other thing i want to touch on from from the mentors thing is i have a really good friend named jordan syot and uh today is is may 8th yeah today's happy may, birthday today's may 8th so so jordan turned 21 today and this is really interesting for me to say this because like i said earlier like I've, there's so many people in my life that you know, I am, I've done what I've done and I am who I am because of those people, because I've had mentors. And Jordan is someone that uh, I guess I would say I, I mentor him. And I'll never forget, it was, it was it was over a year ago and he reached out to me on Facebook and he just, he added me as a friend and, and I do like I do with everyone. I just said, hey, you know, thanks for the ad. I really appreciate it. And we started talking back and forth. And I'll never forget the first time we ever we ever got on the phone. I forget we were talking about something, and I was like, "Hey, man, why don't you just give me a call, and we'll you know we'll cover this stuff over the phone." And he gives me a call, and we talked for like an hour. And I immediately like, even though the you know even though this guy was you know young and in college, and you know he was nineteen or twenty at the time, and it was like when I'm when I think about it, after the phone call, I knew 
that this was a person that I wanted to to pour time and effort into. And when he, whenever we first started talking, like he just, he's been in strength and conditioning. He's, he's, and he's a very accomplished powerlifter. Uh, he has trained under Louis Simmons of Westside Barbell. He's actually Westside Barbell certified, extremely intelligent, very, very good, uh, at, at reading research. And, and he spends a lot of time looking at research and he, his articles are really good. He, as far as training goes, I mean, if I needed a training program, I would I would put my training in his hands if if I needed to, and that's saying something that's that's big, you know. Like uh, I have full confidence in him, so I'm extremely grateful to be that person in his life that's helped him get his website started, get his articles out there, help him help him build his readership, and and uh, it's it's a joy that I can't even begin to explain other than I'm just super proud of him. He actually actually uh, posted an article today detailing, you know, his life and like what he's been through and being 21 years old, like he's experienced so many more things than a lot of other people, even my age, you know, I'll be 26 this year. I'm just glad he's in my life. I'm glad to, to see that we can, we can all grow together and, and see, how, you know, where things go. But if, uh, you know, another good guy in the industry is Jordan. Lots of information, lots of great training stuff, uh, practical ideas on on fitness and health, and uh, I'll, I'll definitely put his his link in the the notes of this podcast. So, Jordan, you're awesome, buddy, and happy birthday! Happy birthday, dog! Cool. Well, uh, we're gonna wrap it up here with with a little bit lighter material. Let's uh, let's let's. Take a question. We had a couple of people wrote in, and some people wanted to know what our favorite foods were. Some people wanted to know our favorite video games. And uh, I saw John Romanello actually talking about cartoons uh, a couple of days ago on on Twitter, and he was he was griping because there were no good Saturday morning cartoons anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll let you start, Raj. What what's your favorite food? What's your favorite video game? And what's your favorite? Oh, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm not. I can't pick a favorite food. Um, steak. Steak is number one. It's, it's just <laughs> always delicious. It's never bad ever, unless it's burnt. And even then, you can cut the burnt parts off, and it's deliciousness just tucked away inside. Um, so steak. Got macaroni and cheese. It's always always a favorite. And ooh, cinnamon rolls, specifically the cinnabon, cinnabon kind. You know, I don't I don't get to have them too often, but I will travel in every every state. Like if I go to a new state, you know, it's usually a, a Cinnabon in the airport. You know, if this state is worth their salt, um, usually I'll have one there. You know, I never I never really pass up an opportunity since it's so rare for me to get one. So Cinnabons are definitely on the list. And if you have not had one, you're not living your life right. And I suggest you try at least one before you die. Um Ooh, what else? So, as far as cartoons, oh man, oh, this is this is horrible. So, Dragon Ball Z is number one. I grew up watching that forever. Second to second to that is the Power Rangers. Just the, the first first couple seasons. After that, it got a little bit ridiculous. They started going in space and doing this and that. We don't need all that. You just keep it on Earth. Get a little morpher. Make your make your Megazord grow. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> actually, one of my favorite training shirts is a Power Ranger t-shirt. It's, we have this weighted, uh, chin-up belt and dip belt at, at my gym and it has like hooks in it 
in the chat. I don't know. It sounds really torturous, but it's not. But it tears into your shirt when you when you, you like tie it on to add the weight. So at this point, there's like a million different holes. It's it's almost like someone stabbed me several several times. Uh, but I'm never getting rid of this shirt. So <laughs> uh, definitely a Power Rangers. And then I also, oh man, let's talk about some newer stuff. Venture Brothers. Uh, it's always it was hilarious. Family Guy. I don't get to watch much of them anymore, but just stuff like that. All, always big in the anime. Whenever I can catch some new stuff, I'll uh, I'll try and get into it. But oh, there's one anime that I love that super short. If people are out there looking for something hilarious, it's an anime called Golden Boy. It's it's six episodes. You can probably find it on YouTube for free. I can't even explain it. You just got you got to check it out. Uh, we can we can post some of that stuff in the show notes too if anyone's interested. But uh, it's mainly for more more of the dudes out there. I think it will appeal more to them than the ladies. But you never know. You never know. And video games. Uh, um, grew up with Mortal Kombat. I was never really good at it. Like Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. I'm horrible at fighting games. Uh, I'm better at them now that you know we're in the era of button mashing, and if you mash enough buttons, you can win. So I'm good at Marvel, my Marvel vs. Capcom. Awesome at that because I can know I know how to do a super. Um, but I'm really into the RPG, so things like like Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy VII, um, Persona. I think me and Martin Birkin talked back and forth for like <laughs> forever about that game just because it was so it was so cool. Um, I was actually addicted to. Uh, EverQuest and World of Warcraft in the past. So while I do like MMOs and stuff like that, I cannot ever play them again. Otherwise, I will lose my life and everything I want will just slip away. <laughs> I might actually become homeless. So that's eventually how it's going to end up. So while I love them, I'm never going to play another one again, no matter how awesome it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know you love video games, JC. You'd be playing all the time. Yeah, I used to, man. I used to be absolutely addicted, but I've quit since then, and I won't allow video game consoles to be in the house. So, <laughs> yeah, actually, I'll start off down the list. Uh, well, since we since he suggested video games, I'll start with video games. Uh, growing up, I, my, you know, my best memories of video game playing was between the Sega Genesis and the... Uh, PlayStation 2. So, Sega Genesis, of course, when I was growing up, preteen years, my favorite games in the whole world on that was Mortal Kombat. And I remember, I remember like buying all of the code books and <laughs> getting all of like figuring out how to do all the, you know, the, the special cheat codes for, for like extending the fatality time. So you could so you could get that fatality when you wanted it. Um, all the babalities, uh, friendships, all the all the stuff at the end, and like all the all the yeah all the people that love games, they're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. For the people that don't, they're gonna be like, what is what is this? But um, so I loved Mortal Kombat. Like it's funny. Do you remember the Do you remember the character uh, Roger named Noob Cybot? Yeah, <laughs> you, you know you know how his name came to be, right? They reversed the, the one of the creators' names. Yeah, to, to, Tobias Boone or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know most people have no idea that that that's the case. But anyway, <laughs> like dude, I loved Mortal Kombat, and then 
uh, kind of got into like junior high and high school, like stopped playing video games as much just because I was busy with sports and, and trying to be popular and, and getting with the ladies and stuff. But, uh, then when I got into college, or actually my senior year, senior year in high school, um, I really got into playing PlayStation 2. And, uh, as lots of people probably know, the Resident Evil games on PlayStation 2 are, or PlayStation and PlayStation 2 are freaking awesome. I remember like playing them in the dark and like getting scared with all remember of when the dog jumped through the window. Yeah, like like you walk into this room and then like it's all quiet and the next thing you know dogs are jumping through and you're like you're just blasting them with your with your gun and they're not dying and you're freaking out and and uh and so like those are some of the best games and then I got into this like I've never been a super sports fan so like everybody makes fun of me about it cuz I don't like I don't watch any sports. I don't watch the World Series. I don't watch any of this stuff. So uh, I never know what's going on. Like, like the final, like the final four, and what is that? Is that basketball final four? I think yeah, so. NCAA. Yeah, like, like that'll be going on, know, and pe- people are tweeting. <laughs> people are tweeting about it, and I'm like, man, there must be a game on or something. <laughs> anyway, I never really cared about sports. I played sports, but I never cared about watching them. But I was super addicted to NCAA football games. Like it was. I, it was nothing for me to sit for six hours and do no, not even get up to take a leak and just play football and just like play seasons. My freshman year in college, this was when this was the stopping point for me. Was I was sitting and playing NCAA football in my dorm room and I noticed that six hours had gone by and like <laughs> nobody had come into the nobody had come in. I didn't leave to go get anything to eat. I didn't leave to even go to the bathroom. I just sat there on my beanbag chair and played a season with one of my favorite teams and that was like that was the the straw that broke the camel's back like I I got up and I was like oh wow it's dark outside and I've, I've spent six hours doing nothing with my life except for playing a game so I set the I set the remote on the on the desk I left I went and got dinner at the cafeteria and I hardly ever picked up a video game since then so uh, it's nothing against nothing against video games. Like I love them, obviously, but it's something in my life that I kind of had to just like just completely expel because it's nothing for me to spend a day's worth of work playing video games. So uh, yeah, now you guys know that I'm I was an extreme NCAA football addict. Moving on to cartoons, I never really watched cartoons much growing up, uh, other than the. And I still love watching these today. Whenever if I can ever catch them on, uh, are the just all the Looney Tunes stuff. You know, Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, uh, Foghorn Leghorn, like all that stuff was. When I would wake up Saturday mornings, you know, eating my cereal when I was a little kid, that's what I watched. And then as soon as I was done eating, like I, I never stayed to watch the, all the other newer cartoons or whatever. But so. Sorry if I disappointed you that I don't have any... <laughs> You've let everyone down. If I don't have any, like, Dragon Ball Z stories or Golden Boy stories, you know, sorry to disappoint. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> as, as far as foods, uh, I was a fat kid growing up, so still to this day, I can kill, you know, an entire large pizza by myself, and I absolutely love pizza. I crave, like, I don't really crave sugary foods. And I think that's probably just because I keep enough sugar in my diet. Like, it's very rare that I crave ice cream or soda 
or anything like that. It's always salty, savory foods. And when I look at my favorite foods, you know, we have pizza. Um, I, dude, I actually love macaroni and cheese too. And uh, I love any type of Asian cuisine. I can knock out a sushi buffet like nobody's business. I love salty, salty rice, soy sauce. Uh, egg fried rice. I love all that stuff. So like I can, I can just put that stuff away. Of course I love, I love Mexican cuisine and, and anything that's really salty. I love. So not, (laughs) no, no sugar addict over here. Oh man. It's, it's crazy to hear you talk about that, that time passing when you play video games. Cause it's, it's true, man. Like that, that, those are the worst moments. Well, for me, those were some of the worst moments, but some of the best moments of my like my college life because but is there's nothing more depressing than like sitting down at the computer for like at like you know seven eight o'clock and then not moving and then here's where the here's where the bad part comes in the sun comes up and you haven't moved at all i'm like what is that is that really 12 hours it just happened Dude. That really and no and and you could go on like that for days if you uh if no one's no one's gonna check on you and like that's that's actually happened for uh for me back in the day which is why I can't do any sort of uh MMO at all anymore man it's I'm glad we kicked the habit this we could not be doing this podcast right now if we were addicted to video games no I and I even <laughs> got I even got for a short period of time in high school. This was like, well, this was like the transition between uh, high school and college, like the summer. I had a really short, do you remember, was it called Counter-Strike? Yeah, yeah, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty, stuff like that. Yeah, it was like, I guess what you call, not not an RPG, but a single person shooter, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't, like, I don't know all the geeky terms for this stuff. Some of my friends, some of my friends played it, and I remember getting stuck on it, and I remember buying it, uh, putting it on my computer, and playing online with all these people, and I'm like, this is the best thing <laughs> ever, ever. Ever. And, and then, thankfully, my my piece of crap Windows computer completely crashed on me, so I lost everything. And then it was never the same after that. Like, it was never as fast or anything, so I couldn't play that game anymore. Which was probably the best thing, because if that never happened, I might be, like, sitting in my parents' basement playing Counter-Strike right now if that hadn't happened. So, Thank goodness for crappy Windows PC. Yes, now now I'm just a, an Apple fanboy, so that's all I have. <clears throat> iMac, MacBook, iPhone. Anyway, I win. I win. That's, that, that's beyond the, this podcast. So that wraps it up. Everyone, uh, thanks so much for listening. I hope that you guys are going to the Fitness Summit on May 18th. And if we see you there, come give us high fives and hugs. And we'd love to see you there. Yes. And remember, please be advice. Please be advice.